0: Hello and welcome to the Harrogate Podcast with me, Andrew Gray. Join the Harrogate Podcast, it's my job to interview and to deconstruct the movies and shakers in this wonderful Harrogate bubble in which we live. And today I'm absolutely bowled over, truly amazed that I have sitting in front of me my good friend, Michelle Beckett. Good afternoon, Michelle.
1: Hello, Andrew. Thank you for inviting me.
0: You're always embarrassed if I say you're the most famous person I know, but you absolutely are. And for those that don't know you as well as I know you, you are an ADHD campaigner, the founder and CEO of ADHD Action and LinkedIn's most connected person or something on those lines, and a Huffington post blogger and many other things um apart from that. I think we should just start very quickly with your story about how you've got involved in ADHD Action. It's a completely compelling story I'm sure my listeners will want to hear all about it.
1: Well, Like the rest of my life it was completely unplanned and now I know why due to my ADHD diagnosis which only happened last year at the age of 44 after many years of struggling to know what was wrong with me. I'd always felt there was something not quite right or something different but I was only diagnosed last year. Now the circumstances that led on to my diagnosis were quite difficult and quite painful to talk about actually. I'd had many businesses over the years, Um, had a great business, 2015-2016, my idea, it was um, a community web platform for volunteering, it was going rather well, we got some big contracts with Costa and Legal in general, but sadly it would seem I'd picked the wrong business partner and that business relationship went sour through no fault of my own. Now, because I felt such a massive failure, because here was the great idea that I'd had that went wrong again, I found myself, not for the first time, in a very, very difficult state of overwhelm, and I was actually suicidal. And at the end of 2016, despite having a loving boyfriend who was about to move in in a couple of months' time three amazing daughters and soon-to-have two stepdaughters, and this life that on Facebook that people looked up to, I felt that the world would be so much better off without me and that I was a waste of oxygen, essentially. And I got very, very close to committing suicide at the end of 2016. Now, I don't know what stopped me, but I did get help and I'm very glad, obviously, that I didn't um, commit w- what I was going to do. But I was involved with the crisis team who were brilliant at Harrogate. Um, but sadly, as with any crisis, you have to be so poorly to get involved yes. with these services. Um, and we'll talk about mental health services later on. But at the handover meeting from the crisis team to the community mental health team, by then I was, I was doing OK. I'd get into these states of overwhelm. That very quickly, but that don't last. So which which was a clue to my ADHD, because I'd previously been misdiagnosed, as I now know, with a mild form of bipolar disorder when I'd been suicidal before. And because I get very spirited and engaged with my work and a bit of a workaholic when I'm in a groove, people thought that was, you know, being slightly hypomanic as you do with bipolar. So ADHD is often misdiagnosed. But one of the crisis psychiatrist said to the community team i think michelle's been misdiagnosed with bipolar please can we refer her for an adhd diagnosis i think she fits all of the criteria for adult adhd at the age
0: of 44
1: at the age of 44 now this wasn't the first time that adhd cropped up and i'll tell you about that later so engaging with the community mental health team by this time i was feeling really really guilty that they were coming around to my house to check i was okay because i was fine and i'm thinking this is a really stretched service i said i even said to the nurse i said look you don't need to be here please go away please will you go and see somebody that really needs you i'm fine all i need is that referral for the adhd diagnosis that the crisis psychiatrist talked about and he said Well, I've spoken to the community psychiatrist and she saw you three years ago and she doesn't think you've got ADHD, so we are not referring you. Okay. By then, I'd done a lot of reading on adult ADHD and I tick nearly every box that there
0: is. What are those boxes, can I ask? I don't know.
1: Yeah, I mean, I learnt a lot about ADHD um, from then on when, when it was mentioned. But ADHD is very common. So, it affects about 5% of children, about 3% of adults, probably more. So, it's common, it's chronic, and it's a neurodevelopmental condition that affects the way the mind works essentially. So, it's a different form of thinking. The brain is structured differently, and the brain takes up different forms of neurotransmitters like norepinephrine and dopamine. I'm getting a bit scientific here. Mm-hmm. Differently. Um, So it's interesting, but it can affect people in different ways. So some people present with a hyperactive form. So this is the classic form that people think of with mainly a boy who's a bit fidgety, misbehaves in class, etc. But it also affects attention. Now, they say it's a deficit of attention, but actually it's a little bit like a lack of control of how your attention is uh, directed, if you like. So I like to describe it as having about a thousand browser tabs open (laughs) (laughs) on my computer and your mind flicks between them without permission. Sometimes you think, why am I on this browser tab? I really wanted to be on this browser tab. But it's an interest based nervous system. So somebody with ADHD, if they're really interested in something, you cannot tear them away. From something, so it's it's almost like having a Ferrari brain with bicycle brakes and a steering wheel that's a little bit wonky. And that was um, Dr. Halliwell in the United States that came up with that phrase, who is a doctor with ADHD himself. So we've got some people presenting with hyperactivity with ADHD, some people presenting with the difficulties with attention, and impulsivity is an issue as well. So you can interrupt people. You can jump in without thinking. So you can sometimes do silly things, which is why a lot of people in prison have ADHD if they they can't control it. But also there's an emotional aspect to it. So there's a lot of evidence to suggest that people with ADHD feel things more passionately. So they feel highs more. So you can watch a film and I'm really swept away with it, the highs and the lows. You know, I'm crying, I'm laughing, I'm really feeling what the characters on the film are thinking and doing and I love that so that difficulty in controlling your emotions is is quite a challenge and often people with ADHD because of the way they've lived their lives with just feeling a bit rubbish about procrastination I'm a bit disorganized I'm a bit you know my desk is a complete mess I'm losing things um, a lot of the time Yet I'm always coming up with new ideas, new ideas for businesses. I can think very quickly, I can think on my feet. So there's huge benefits to having it, as well as the downsides of having that extra emotion and those swings of emotion um, that can really hurt sometimes. But the problem is, if it's unrecognised, it can cause this secondary damage. So it's a little bit like type 2 diabetes. Having high blood sugar in and of itself... Doesn't cause the damage to the body, it's the long term effects of that high blood sugar. So, having ADHD in and of itself is not a problem, but it's the long term effects on your well being and your mental state. So, most adults, if they're left for years, end up about 79% in fact of people with ADHD, if they're left into adulthood, with some form of anxiety and depression. And often this state of overwhelm, because your brain is so full all the time, so full of ideas, full of information, going over stuff that's happened, you find yourself really overwhelmed, which is where the the suicidal issues sometimes come in. But that state of overwhelm can pervade into every day, and it did with me until my diagnosis.
0: Michelle, I have a challenging question at this juncture, if I may. Yes. Some of the signs or symptoms of ADHD seem actually an advantage is it something that you would turn off if you could
1: absolutely not and this is quite a challenging question because there's a lot of clinicians will say ADHD is very very impairing people struggle to stay in jobs they struggle sometimes with relationships because they speak impulsively and they're oversensitive etc etc but i would never switch mine off and i don't know many ADHD people who would because you can be incredibly entrepreneurial with it, incredibly creative. I have, I can think on my feet, feet. I have these ideas all of the time. And um, There's an entrepreneur in Australia with ADHD who basically suggests it's an unfair advantage and it's like superhuman powers. And sometimes I do feel that I can think more quickly than other people and that it is an advantage. And I wouldn't switch it off despite the fact it has given me these issues in my in my life so incredible challenges but the problem is it's stigmatized horrifically in this country so many people don't understand what it is and it took me 24 years from when I first presented to the GP when I was at university with anxiety and depression to get a diagnosis and I had to pay privately for that diagnosis because after I was refused the diagnosis by the NHS team in the community, I thought, I really need an answer here. I need to sort this out. So I sought out a private psychiatrist who specialises in ADHD, there's not that many in the country, okay. who happens to be based in Leeds. And actually, I will credit him, Dr Rob Baskins, in Leeds with probably saving and transforming my life. The difference has been immense. Learning about the condition and how I work has just taken away the guilt that I've had about how I am why why can't you do you back returns on time when everybody else can you know why are you like this why did you go out with that bloke? why did you form that business relationship with that business partner um interestingly low self-esteem can impact people with ADHD and I tend to find I'm not very good at checking whether an individual is the right person so I'm more concerned with impressing them so they don't find out that that actually I'm a little bit messy, you know, behind the curtains of my mind, than actually checking out if they're a worthy person, but I'm getting better at that. So the diagnosis itself was transformative, but actually the medication has been completely mind-blowing. Can I
0: ask you what medication you're on?
1: Yeah, I'm on um, an amphetamine-based medication, which sounds quite counterintuitive, but it's actually very, very calming. But what it does is it just normalises a lot of the neurotransmitters in my brain. So I'm more able to focus. But an absolute revelation when I took it. I mean, Rory Bremner, who's one of my patrons of the charity wow. ADHD Action, he was only diagnosed in the last couple of years with his ADHD and when he first tried medication, he described it as going from Radio 1 Techno in his head to Classic FM, <laughs> which is a really good analogy, except I would say more the carpenters. Oh. Just this sense of serenity and well-being. And I think the first couple of days, I was a little bit dis- disconcerted on it, thinking it's a little bit quiet up there. Normally, I'm used to my head being so full of everything all at once how am I going to be able to think on my feet if I haven't got a lot to draw on it just felt like I'd you know come out of a spa or you know done three hours of yoga my head was really quiet like a calm sea but actually my thoughts were all still there they were just more ordered and I was better able to cope I was so much less tired less overwhelmed everything just seemed to fit into place and I just thought wow this must be going towards what normal people feel like and when I pointed that out to a friend she very rightly said well how do you know (laughs) what a normal person feels like and of course I don't but I'm still me I still have that creative edge I still have that um, impulsivity and I'll explain how I formed the charity shortly which is all based on impulsivity I still have ADHD it's just it's made a lot easier with the medication and it was really interesting when I saw a friend of mine from university for the first time a few weeks after I'd started taking the medication. She got quite emotional when she saw me because she said, Michelle, you look like you did at uni, you look carefree. Wow. You, look, you don't look like you've got the weight of your world on your shoulders. And I don't anymore. Every day I'm just better able to cope, but still me. And still embracing my ADHD. So,
0: And what a waste to waited 24 years for this diagnosis because you can't be the only one there must be thousands tens of thousands of people adults out there with what you have more than that more than that okay yeah
1: which is really interesting because if you think about a conservative estimate would be that three percent of adults Mm -hmm. have adhd and that's like a global statistic which is proven throughout history over many years across many many populations because it's genetic in origin So you've probably got, you know, 1.8 million adults, something like that, over a million adults with it, but only about less than 10% in this country have actually been formally diagnosed. So we've got over a million people, adults, walking around out there in the United Kingdom like I was with all these issues. They might have anxiety, depression, problems at work, problems with their relationships, thinking, what's wrong with me? I can't quite get it together and I've got all these issues. Not knowing they've got ADHD. So that's incredibly sad and an incredible waste because if you support people with ADHD, they can really flourish, be creative. A lot of people in the arts, acting, singers have ADHD, entrepreneurs. We wouldn't have the light bulb if it wasn't for ADHD. Thomas Edison had ADHD. Alan Turing, who saved us in the war, had ADHD. If we can support these people, we can increase GDP. And
0: that's the purpose of the charity that you've formed, am I right?
1: It's one of the purposes. Okay. There's an awful lot of issues to fix. So number one, we have an enormous stigma in this country, a misunderstanding. So if you ask anybody on the street what ADHD is, most people won't know what it is. Or they might have a mental image of you know, a badly behaved child at school throwing chairs around that's got special needs, which is not the case because a lot of people... With ADHD can be incredibly bright and they don't fail at school and they don't have special needs so there's stigma and misunderstanding so there's educational work to do with teachers with GPs with social services with prison, prison officers with police officers the general public just to embrace ADHD and understand it the stigma with the medication for example people think that it turns people into zombies, people think that the condition is overdiagnosed in this country when actually it's, it's vastly underdiagnosed. so that's the irony so there's work to do on education but there's also work to do in campaigning because we can save the public purse an awful lot of money if we recognise and treat and support people with ADHD, for example conservatively 25% of prisoners have ADHD, which is astronomical. And if you think how much it costs to house a prisoner, I suppose I think it's about 45,000 pounds. We've shown with treatment through studies, there's been studies done in America and in Sweden, that if you treat with medication, you can reduce reoffending by between 32 and 41 percent. So you look at the statistics i've worked out that just on housing a prisoner that's not counting probation and policing can save about 235 million pounds we're wasting an awful lot of money on mental health services there's people in and out of mental health services like i was for many years for 24 years psychiatrists nhs psychologists antidepressants and anti-anxiety pills that don't work wasting all this money so we can save billions there child and adolescent mental health, social services, the list goes on. Work work, and pensions so people on benefits who leave their jobs or get fired or walk out because they're often late, because time management's an issue, people with ADHD. If we support these people, we can save the public purse an awful lot of money. So there's that, and then there's also the issue of access to assessment and diagnosis. So, this is an absolute horror story. So, my own personal story is that I couldn't get a diagnosis, I had to pay privately, and I had the means to do that. However, there's some parts of the country have no adult ADHD service whatsoever. In the good parts of the country, it's maybe a two-year waiting list.
0: Two years? And a, well, I can't be so...
1: That's not the worst. That's in the good part of the country. There's parts of the world that now have a 31-year waiting list for adults with ADHD. Now, I heard recently that somebody on the waiting list in the Northwest actually committed suicide, so I know what it's like to get that close. That could have been me. So there's work to do with talking to NHS commissioners and saying, "Look, redirect this money. We can save the public purse here. So the dream is that you walk up to anybody in the street in a few years' time, they know what ADHD is, people know about it, teachers know about it. We're picking up kids early and we're teaching these kids about the strengths that they have and the superhuman powers (laughs) that people with ADHD may have and how to mitigate and scaffold, if you like, their weaknesses that ADHD gives you. And this is the dream, that nobody has to wait for diagnosis or treatment. So there's various ways I'm doing that and I've only been going a few months with the charity but we're making some headway already.
0: So tell us, what is the website address for the charity?
1: It's adhdaction.org. Now um, I need to update the website, it's just me at the moment but uh, we are getting there. But I have established the first all-party parliamentary group to cover ADHD in both adults and children um, anywhere, and we believe it's the first group of elected politicians anywhere in the world to look at the issue of adults <laughs> and children with ADHD. And that, proud. thank you. Um, I am proud, but the problem with people with ADHD is we're never really proud because we're so restless. We want to get things done. I'll be proud when a lot of stuff is fixed, and we're getting there. But we've got a lot of MPs on board from both parties, and people are listening, so we're making real progress.
0: And with this all-parliamentary group, how is your charity going to impact upon that group to influence the, country, the wider country?
1: Well, we run what's called the Secretariat, so so we basically provide the, the, the work behind it. So I will provide subject matter for the all-party parliamentary group. I'll provide experts, so I've got a huge network of experts now, clinicians, academics, um, people to, to vouch for ADHD, service users people with ADHD that have been in prison that we can just draw upon bring them into parliament to to give their testimony and to give their story so that's how we'll help and to just give data research etc so we can help steer this and say to the politicians that are on board this is the issue who are we going to bring on board to help change this and it's already starting to happen we're already starting to to see some movement see some changes and people listening
0: and how can People listening to this podcast, people know you. How can they help this very worthwhile course?
1: Well, donations are always welcome to help, but it's just learning about ADHD. I've got to put some information on the website about ADHD, but there's a wealth of information out there. There's a little bit on there for now. But also, if you're an employer, for example, you're bound to have a lot of staff with ADHD that possibly have some issues. They might get in late, they might have some mental health problems. There might be these brilliant people that have great ideas and really tenacious. And it's about learning to support your staff with ADHD. So we've got an employer programme called the Attensive Employer Programme to support people in the workplace. And it's all about thinking, OK, who do I know that might have ADHD? How can I help destigmatize this? And what can I do to help Michelle? Because I'm just starting up. So if you've got any ideas or contacts or any ways that you can offer your skills even. So I'm looking at building a community platform for for buddying systems for people with ADHD to help each other. Looking at building that soon. So if you think you can help, please do so, because this is an issue which affects so many people, millions of children and adults right across the UK. And it's so misunderstood and so stigmatised that we massively need to address it and very quickly before we lose any more brilliant people.
0: Uh, you said before we started this podcast that the National Institute of Clinical Excellence, NICE, yes, it only fairly recently, I think, come up with some guidelines in relation to ADHD. Is is that right? And when was this? Well,
1: we've had some guidelines um, for a while, but it was only recognised in adults in 2009, which is astonishing. So miraculously, it used to disappear at 5 o'clock on your 18th birthday if you had ADHD. Hmm. But we have a huge issue in that if a child is diagnosed and they're under a service, once they're 18, there's often gaps. So they have to go back on the waiting list to then get access to their treatment and their medication which can be life-saving often at a time when they might be starting university or a job when it's absolutely critical that they they need their medication so there's an awful lot of work to do in terms of helping these people get the support they need in so many ways
0: which other celebrities, other than Rory Bremner and I think, is it Carrie Grant? I think you got involved. Who yes. else has been So involved? I asked Rory and, Bremner and Why? To get- why are they getting involved? Because they have the condition?
1: Well, yes, Rory has the condition. So he's been a great help and he's such a great support. And we have our meetings. And what's brilliant about it is that Rory will sit there and you'll just be having a meeting about strategy and he'll. Start doing a Donald Trump impression, which is just (laughs) brilliant. You kind of forget that you sat with Rory Bremner until he starts doing his Donald Trump impression. So he's wonderful. He's such a lovely man and such a great support to me. But Carrie Grant, she's brilliant. So she's got four kids. So her and David Grant, the voice coaches from the television, they've got four kids. And out of the four kids, I've got seven diagnoses, and three of them have got ADHD. Um, so she's a great support but Carrie's daughter who's an actor Olive Gray she's incredible she's only 23 she's got ADHD she did an amazing speech at the launch of the All Party Parliamentary Group about the strengths of ADHD and how it affected her she's a great advocate and we've also got a rap artist called Loyal Karner who is Mercury Prize nominated who's quite well known and he's brilliant he's got ADHD very open about it and actually runs a cookery school for people with ADHD in London so we're building up our celebrity patrons but it's all happened so quickly because it only started last year and it was completely unplanned so I'm absolutely delighted with the impact that it's had already and the momentum that it's got.
0: Michelle I am just proud to call you a friend actually I can't believe anyone who has such superpowers can curate something so quickly it's utterly phenomenal do you have any sort of takeaways for anyone listening that who perhaps is wondering perhaps whether they have ADHD or a loved one has ADHD or just generally any advice that um, people listening you think people ought to hear from you
1: yeah it's a case of if you think that your child or your teenager or any of your relatives might have ADHD so an older an adult for example might have issues with depression or anxiety. And there might be signs that you pick up, you know, they, they might be a little bit impulsive, they might be late, they might be disorganized. Not everybody presents like this, but just that anxiety of mind and racing thoughts, they might have problems sleeping. Just think could it be ADHD? Could it be on the radar? And, and talk to them about it and get them to read or get them to, to contact me via the website and have a look at it. And also with your kids. The earlier that you maybe start treatment or get a diagnosis so that kids understand their condition and how they work, the better, the better the outcomes. So even if your kid isn't failing at school, even if they're doing really well, it might be a child that's the class what? That's always up helping the teacher, that's always there thinking, right, I need to be active. I need to be getting up, helping the teacher, doing this, handing out this might be a perfectionist in their work. And you think, well, that's not really picture I have in my mind of ADHD but just think could it be ADHD with any of these issues have a look at the symptoms there's a great website in America which I've written for called Attitude a double d i t u d e that you can have a look at Attitude magazine which provides a wealth of information um, many years of information that you can have a look at great YouTube channel called how to ADHD by Jessica McCabe and she did a YouTube video for me for my campaign a few months ago just have a look at that and just think okay that fits because I've had so many people come to me and go right I never had a clue I had ADHD I've looked at your stuff I've listened to you I've now been diagnosed and my life's been transformed so I'm on a bit of a mission now to save other people from
0: it's a good job you got those superpowers for this mission
1: <laughs> well I don't know about superpowers but when you get on a roll somebody with ADHD, it's that passion and drive, that inner restlessness you can put to your advantage. So it's a case of helping those kids, and I'm really passionate about that, find their groove so that they too can do something that might change the world a little bit. You never know. So that's why I'm here and that's why I'm doing this.
0: Michelle, it's been a pleasure interviewing you. How do people connect with you? Remind us of your website again and also your LinkedIn
1: yeah, so it's Michelle Beckett and the website is adhdaction.org but we have Facebook page as well, ADHD Action Twitter at ADHD Action and I'm on at Michelle Beckett but please do get in touch with any ideas, suggestions or if you want to connect me with people because we are just starting out as a new charity but it is going really well and it's just an absolute pleasure to do and ironically, all those years where I thought I was a failure Now I'm using my ADHD, which I hid for so long, to help other people. And I'm really humbled by that. I really am.
0: Thank you, Michelle. You are anything but a failure. Thanks for coming in.
1: Thank you, Andrew. That's great.